Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. This is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome to it. We're live, Buffalo Wings and Ring, 68th and 0. We've been here for two days. It's been exceptional. It's been fun. Uh, good stuff along the way. I want to thank you folks for being with us on the Starter Hammond text line, 402-464-5685. Greatly appreciate you uh, joining in, commenting, adding to the show. Uh, I want to thank the folks from the Mercado for what they do for us and making sure that we can bring you this content each and every single day. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, the Sardar Heyman Live video stream is up. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter Live. So you can see what's going on from here. But we're going to jump over. Uh, before we get too much into detail, we're going to jump over to the Honda Lincoln Hotline. And we welcome in the Husker Hall of Famer himself, Jay Foreman. Jay Foreman joins us on Old School. What's happening, Jay Foreman? Hey, man. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, man. I was uh, out here in uh, D-Town, as they like to call it, the Maha City. Um, you know, watch the basketball, take care of some doctor uh, stuff, but everything's all good in the hood. What's the lead story for you watching uh, today's madness? What's the, what's the lead? <laughs> well, well, originally, well, what is what it comes down to? Can you, you know, can you these higher seeded teams pass the dummy test? And what I mean by that is. They're fortunate enough to watch teams get upset. You know, obviously Arizona and Virginia are well known to, you know, trick it off per se. Now, what higher ranked or high seed team, uh, which hasn't happened today, is, is going to, you know, stub their toe after they, they should be on red alert and, 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 and high anxiety, extremely motivated uh, to prove a point. So we haven't seen that today. So that's really where um, my lead story is who's going to be the next one? You know, who's going to be the next Arizona or or Virginia? Even though Arizona and Virginia has always had that, um, I guess, personality or their trait of really good in the regular season, get into the tournament and lose to a team they have no business losing, messing up everybody's bracket, but then messing up everything they've done through the uh, first part of the year. Jay, what is it exactly about those teams that make that sort of thing happen, where you becomes routine and ritual enough that you know that there's some nonsense and some shenanigans about to take place? Well, I don't think it's necessarily shenanigans. What I think it is, uh, D.C., is that you might have uh, like an offensive system or defensive system that might work in your particular conference, right? But then a lot of coaches, and I can't speak for these two, but what it seems like is that they're okay with being just okay, right? Really good in a regular season, get all the points, be highly ranked, and then not understand, even though you're winning against opponents that you know in and out, say just for Arizona State or State or Virginia, you, you know, you have a kind of recipe that can keep you in the top, you know, three or four in the ACC or the Pac-12. Well, you need to also kind of self-scout and wonder what other teams will do to take away your strength. 
And I think that's what it comes down to. I think these, these coaches have, have shown up, whether they are arrogant or whatever in their own personality, but I think they've shown up without the right edge, and it's been over time that these teams have let everybody else down, knowing that they're really well-coached, who have way more support and better players than losing to lesser teams. And this isn't taking anything away from, you know, Furman or Princeton, but let's be honest. When you look at Furman or Princeton's roster, they're nowhere close to Arizona or Virginia. So then it lets me know this is something that is repetitive. So as a coach or as an athletic director, we need to, and this isn't saying you need to fire anybody, you need to get down, you know, huddle up and figure out how what we need to do to play better tournament basketball. And that's even in their ACC tournament, Pac-12 tournament, which will lead to the NCAA tournament. At some point in time, you have to be getting tired of being embarrassed of, uh, you know, being a first-round knockout against a lesser team. Jay, it, you you make an interesting point. Let's go a little further, a little deeper into it. What exactly, when somebody says tournament basketball, what comes to mind for you? What's the definition? Well, it, it styles make fights, right? It, it styles make fights. So it would have to do with is if you're a team, you know, that doesn't like to play in half court, and you've been getting away with it all year, and say you're said conference, and just by chance, you have to kind of. You got to kind of prepare for you're going to have to play a half court game, so you have to consistently self scout yourself and be okay with it. And you might lose a game during the regular season because you're trying to work on being a better half court offense. But I would ask all these coaches: Would you rather be, I guess, really good in the, in the, in the I guess, in the regular season, or would you rather be great or really good in the postseason, which is Pac-12, ACC tournament, and the NCAA tournament? That's where it comes down to. They continue to do the same thing. Maybe it's a little bit of change in recruiting, but I think if you, you don't, they don't. These two teams, when you look at Virginia and, and uh, Arizona, what they do is not portable, right? We talk about Ohio State all the time, and, and, and Michigan has needed to get there. But when Ohio State, Urban Meyer, when he got there in, in the first few years of Urban, uh, for Ryan Day, they were able to be portable. So if they went down in the SEC, they could play that way. They can go to ACC play that way. We know that they can play in the Big Ten. They can go to Big 12 and Pac-12 and play the same way or play the way that they need to do to win. And uh, Arizona and Virginia have shown that they don't have the ability to play any other way that they, they uh, you know, have been playing. And really what that happened, what happens with that DB, you actually become an easier team to scout because you know exactly, um, you know, what you're going to get as far as, you know, players, personnel, coaching, situational basketball, so forth and so on. So they, they play right into certain teams' hands. And these, these teams that come out of Ivy League, there's not that big a gap, I guess it would say, with, with talent-wise, you know. Uh, all of them play high-level basketball. The depth probably favors these bigger teams, you know, and particularly when I talk about Princeton. But ultimately, if you continue to turn the ball over, don't make shots, don't play to your strength, and don't adapt, you will lose early in the NCAA tournament. And that's what you saw yesterday. Jay, uh, is there anybody in this tournament you've watched so far that makes you go, huh, they're a little bit better than I thought they were? Um, right, right now, I'm, you know, I would probably say, um, you know, I'm going to go with Baylor just because uh, my former high school teammate is, is the, the first assistant on their staff, Jared Nunes. I think that Baylor is, is actually better. Than what I thought they would be considering, you know, I, you know, coming off a year or two after winning national champion championship, um, they look really good. 
uh, Marquette as well. I saw them against Creighton, but then I was like, oh, maybe that was a one-off game. But when I watched them, they're really well old machine. I was really well coached by Shocky Shocky Smart. But they they are they know how to play. They're physical enough and they're big enough and and long and lean enough to play against anybody. So that means if they get into a game where they got to switch every single pick and roll or any type of uh, you know pin down you know out the offense, they're able to do it because they have the length and size. And then if they want to um, try to get physical, they have a big that can play physical. But then also you can take you out the, in the perimeter and you know shake you up a little bit, a la Hakeem Olajuwon. So. Um, and also they have a really good point guard slash scoring guard that can control the tempo if there's a run that they are on or a run that they're trying to uh, slow down against. And so when you look at it, it comes down to guard play, smart coaching, and uh, those two teams right there it surprised me the most because uh, obviously they weren't on the national stage at the beginning of the year, but at the end of the year they get ultimate respect. But when I'm watching them, they're, they're pretty dang good. Jake, interesting that we watch NC State and Creighton go at it. NC State is the underdog of the game. I know the Nebraska thing plays, and, and, and folks have this, this thing that they have to figure out. But is it right or wrong to root against Creighton today? Well, I mean, I think right now, I mean, you, you want Creighton to win because they're in Nebraska school. Nebraska's not there, and you know, to be honest with you, the more Creighton wins, the more credibility Nebraska gets. You know, I guess that's what I would look at it. You know, I don't know how everybody else looks at it. You know, there's, you know, we hate them, or should you should hate them as a basketball player when you play them, and then cheer for their success. You know, anytime after the, you know the game that you're playing them. So you you would rather Creighton, you know, play up to their capabilities and uh, you know get past this game here against NC State. But let's, let's, I mean, let's not forget coming into the season, Creighton was a top five team. And, you know, that's not by choice, you know, if you're up there. you got talent and continuity, so they need to play well in order to get a, you know get across the NC State team um, that's, you know, a little bit older, a little bit senior-laden, physical, and, and play together. It's not going to be an easy task, but nobody has an easy task. You're looking at Iona right now, only down by two to UConn. Michigan State kind of turned it on to beat USC by 10. Kennesaw State was putting a whooping on Xavier, and Xavier put it got back, and Marquette, uh, got back Vermont pretty easily, but, you know, it wasn't as easy as a 17-point um, deficit looks like. And then you got Pittsburgh and Iowa State. You know, you've you heard about Pittsburgh, and they talked about them buying their, you know, starting five or whatever, but then Iowa State, who has been a, you know, ever since Fred uh, Horberg was there, as a head coach, has been well-respected not only in, in, in the, you know, Big 12 ranks, but in national ranks. And so there's a lot of games out there and, and a lot of teams out there that got lots to prove. And that's what, that's what the best part is about the NCAA tournament. And sometimes, as you've seen, the Virginia game, those are kind of times and plays under pressure that you will have to live with the rest of your life. And, and that's what makes NCAA tournament, and especially the March Madness, uh, such fun to watch and, you know, evaluate. Jay, it's that time that as we head into the evening games, you know, on the ticket we're going to go to Westwood One, and we'll have live way through until Sunday night. Uh, so for folks that want to want to just plug into the ticket and let it play for the rest of the weekend, you'll have uh, you'll have the madness here on the jam. I'm going to take you through the schedule of the game. Do you tell me who you think comes out the winner? You got number 16, Fairleigh Dickinson, taking on number one, Purdue. Oh, I think Purdue is going to do it. I think Purdue this year, I don't know if they'll get to the Final Four, but I think they're a better team this year than even they were last year. You know, which is hard because they had a lottery pick along with 
uh, big man in the middle. But I think they have guys that, that are well accustomed to their, I guess, lower role, which makes them a more dangerous team offensively. You know, uh, big Zach in the middle is going to get his. But you have a, they have four capable scorers outside of, outside of him to do well. So that bodes well for the NCAA tournament where normally Purdue only would have one. And whether it was Edwards or Ivy last year, you know, they ran into trouble. So I think Purdue is going to do well. Defensively, I think they're, you know, next level. And, uh, you know, I like their coach too. You know, he's came up and he's figured out ways. And I think they Purdue plays at a different clip than they have in years past. So then therefore I think their success, uh, you know, or future success should be set up for the, you know, the rest of the tournament. If it's for, if it's Friday, it's Foreman Forecast Friday, letting you know what's happening in Greensboro, North Carolina. Number eleven, Providence takes on Kentucky. Oh, I mean, if I'm Kentucky, it's it's, it's, it's a, this is a game that I wouldn't say I worry about, but it's also it's just a game that you know we can't go in there half stepping. And Providence, I love their coach. Both teams have the same record: 20, 21 and eleven. I am reluctantly going to go with Kentucky. Considering they have the advantage in the inside inside part of the game with Oscar, um, but coaching wise, I would do Providence. But I'm going to go with Kentucky. I know the line is you know four and a half. I think this is going to come down to the last two or three possessions. But I think Kentucky will pull this game out. In Albany, New York, number twelve Drake, number five Miami. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this right here is, I mean, look, when there's only two and a half, that's not even a three-pointer, right, for the right. spread. So somebody knows something. Um, Miami is one of my favorite teams. I love their coach. I like the way they play, high pressure. Um, you know, they're obviously known as a football school, but I think quietly over the last five to ten years they've been maybe a little bit better than the football team basketball-wise. But they're facing a senior-laden team in Drake that is a well-oiled machine, have a really dominating, dominating one-two punch for them. I'm going to pick right now, I'm going to put Drake to beat Miami. And it's going to come down to free-throw shooting, three-point shooting, and that favors Drake. So I think Drake wins this game in a barn barter. I, I think it's going to be a good one. Number 14, Grand Canyon, takes on number three, Gonzaga. Yeah, the, uh, hey, Gonzaga, since when I'm from Colorado, I'm going to call them Gonzaga Zigzag. Uh, for people who are... <laughs> so I'm going to go Gonzaga. Right? Uh, I think this is their year. I do. I think this is their year. They got Timmy, and they've kind of been under the radar. You think about it. All the teams that have kind of been, you know, a hot potato on the seat of being number one, Gonzaga has been really consistent. They've had a little bit uh, stronger, you know, uh, non-conference schedule. Uh, dealing with the, you know St. Mary's and stuff like that, continue along with the pressure. I think this is a good draw for them. I think they're going to dig over Grand Canyon. Jay, the way they say it, you know what time it is? It's Timmy time. Uh, March Madness. That's what it's about. Uh, Husker Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Uh, let's bounce around. We're going to head over to Columbus, Ohio, number nine, Florida Atlantic, against number eight, Memphis. I like Memphis, man. I think I watched them uh, against Houston. I know Houston was a little bit undermanned, but I like what Penny's been doing down there. He's recruited well, developed well. They play with an edge. They play up tempo. They get timely three-pointers. They can shoot the heck out of the free throws. I think Memphis wins. Yeah, I, 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 when we saw, I saw them in Orlando at the tournament Nebraska played it, and I said then that Penny had something. 
going. And now it's starting to show up. Uh, we'll go back to Greensboro, number 14, Montana State, against number three, Kansas State. I'm going to go with KU, man. I'm mean, Eric, not KU, but Kansas State. And the reason why this, I like the way they played all year. They've been consistent, even though they kind of dipped down a little bit in the, in the uh, you know, big 12. But they got two really good players. You got uh, Johnson and Noah. Both of them, one's averaging 18, one's averaging 17. So one's a guard, one's a forward. So you're getting two level type of scores. So you can't stop one. And then when you evaluate them, uh, you know, you know, going against the Montana State, the advantage goes to Kansas State because they also play uh, some hell of defense as well. So And they're long, and they have another stretch four slash five that can hit you with the three. So it would open up the two uh, players that I mentioned before. So I definitely like Kansas State. Uh, definitely to cover, but I like them big tonight against Montana State. It should be interesting, and I think this may be the best game of the day. I like the Drake-Kentucky game, but this one here looks pretty good to me. Number 11, Arizona State. At number six, TCU. Man, this is going to be this, this right game. I mean, usually I like in the NCAA tournament, the final one game that I like to forecast is being chippy, uh, physical. Uh, both coaches are kind of high strung. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we'll get in your face, get in the player's face, get in the rest face. Dude, I think it's going to be must see TV. Uh, TCU against Arizona State. You know, part of me says picking TCU is the right thing to do. But I'm going to pick Arizona State, coming from the Pac-12, under the radar. Six and eleven is a really good place to be if you're the eleven person or eleven team, eleven or eleven seeded team. I like Arizona State, and I like them to pull it out right at the end. I like their guard play a little bit better than TCU, and I think that'll be the deciding factor. Jay, before I let you get out and enjoy that 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 clean air, that good space. Um, over in London tomorrow, the rematch Ooh. of all rematches. Oh, yeah. UK Carney, Kamaru Uzban, Leon Edwards, round number three. What do you expect? Right. Uh, I expect, uh, you know, the Carney, the Carney assassin to make it, you know, to, to win. Because when you look at the last, you know, fight they have, or had, um, you know, he essentially dominated the, the, the first four and a half rounds and just kind of, you know, let his guard down and he got put to sleep. And so I think for him, he's like, I got to prepare this thing and then more because I'm going to expect my opponent to be that much better. But I think when you think about them just going and just, you know, fighting each other without, you know, letting up, I, I you know, I think it was, you know, that's advancement. He has motivation now. I think it, he might have, I want to say he got a little soft or complacent, but, you know, you can get a little bit too friendly into the confines of being patted on the back, and and I think he realized it was, uh, you know what, you know what it's like to be caught slipping, you know, and that's what happened. He got caught slipping, he got slept, and then he, you know, the ultimate embarrassment, you know, considering that he was pretty much a pound for pound best MMA fighter out there, and was looked at, looked upon, uh, DP, and you know this, you've been a he was looked upon and talked about as, as the one guy that's the equivalent to John Jones that very hard to beat, defense, offense, striking ability, ground, all that stuff. But he let it all kind of go to waste. But I think what he's going to do, he's going to try to come back like Return of the Jedi and prove a point because I think he, when he, ideally, if I would be coaching him through his training, 
I'm talking to you about legacy, right? I'm talking to you about greatness. I'm talking about where you're going to leave the, you know, where, where you're going to leave your stamp on the MMA. That's what I'm talking. That's why we're working so much. That's why we're going next level with our training. Um, nothing against Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards knows that he he caught Genie in the bottle, but Usman knows that he's the better fighter. Now he has to go out there and do it. And don't go out there. Just do what you've been doing. You don't need to go out there and knock him out. You don't have anything to prove. The only thing you have to do is win the fight. So that's most important. That's what he did pretty much four and a half rounds, and he got caught slipping the last one. I think that, you know, I always say this. All these MMA fighters, whether you go back to Rampage Jackson, um, even a little bit with Stone Cold Steve Austin in WWE, WWF, and other ones that, you know, whether it's Ronda Rousey and other, you know, John Cena and all those guys. I know I'm going back and forth in different, you know, genres of sport, but MMA guys that have generally went into Hollywood um, and got involved in Hollywood in some form or fashion have lost, always came into the big fights out of shape. Conor McGregor started to blow up, looked out of shape. Usman was not in the physical shape that he, I, well, at least I was easily used to seeing him at. Can't speak for you because you were up there, DP. But I think he learned his lesson, hone in, uh, focus in, and then, uh, you know, you'll be, you know, give yourself the best chance to be a champion. So um, I think it's going to be a good fight, but I think Usman is going to win. You know what? Give you give you a credit for for setting this thing up so that constantly and consistently they get returned on matchups that people want to see. If boxing ever figured that out, they'd be back in the limelight again. The UFC does a really good job of giving the fans what they want to see when they want to see it, and well done. With that. Jay Foreman, enjoy the weekend, brother. Enjoy this madness that is. Stay safe in these green streets, man. There's lots going on tonight. Hey, man. Hey. Hey, man, they got some good trees up here in Colorado, and I'm talking. And these zigzag Gonzaga Bulldogs or whatever they call themselves, they need to come through with it. I, I picked them this year because I think it's their, their year, man. I think it's their year. They're finally going to get out their own way. They have the draw that they want. They got to do what they got to do. Um, but I'm feeling pretty confident for them. Um, and uh, I'm excited to watch them tonight and see how they go about their business. Amen. That's what it's all about. Jay, thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Have a, have a great weekend. See you Monday. All right, man. That is the Husker Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman, on the road in Colorado, getting it done. Uh, we're live at Buffalo Wings and Rings, 68th and 0. We'll be here uh, for about another hour and 15 minutes. We're going to turn it over at 550 for uh, Fairleigh Dickinson and Purdue, and then Westwood One will take us through uh, the rest of the, the evening and, of course, the rest of the weekend. So if you're just driving around looking for something to do, come on, stop by, get some good food, shake some hands, give some fist bumps, and then maybe win some prizes because we've got a lot of stuff to give away in the next hour. So stop on through and do that. When we come back, we'll update what's going on around the Husker Athletic Department. There are games today. There's a wrestling tournament to break down. Uh, lots to talk about. Softball plays tomorrow. Uh, gymnastics on uh, tomorrow morning as well. Lots to talk about uh, for the Husker Athletic Department. We'll do that next. Live from Buffalo Wings and Rings on Old School. Mm-hmm.